Next on BYU Sports Nation, one play away. BYU goes for two but comes up short in the showdown at Utah. What's your number one takeaway from the rivalry classic? ESPN's college football insider Trevor Maddich gives us his takeaways and his unfiltered opinion on Kai Nakua's ejection. Going for two, BYU on the field and us in Studio B. Did we score with our Friday predictions? Plus, it's game day for number seven BYU women's soccer. Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation live in Radio Vision, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Monday, September 12th, wherever and however you're dialed in. It's great to have you with us. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with NFL Red Zone lobbyist Jerem Jordan. Oh, my goodness. I watched a lot of Red Zone. In fact, I watched every second yesterday. <laughs> I seriously did. And the Patriots-Cardinals game. I loved it. It was a lot of fun. That, that channel is one of the greatest inventions of human history. If you're not aware, no commercials, and it takes you from the most exciting play happening in the NFL yeah. of all of the games that are going on at a given time, just from play to play. It's, and it'll, it's they'll amazing. go back and show you scores and whatnot. Yeah. Well, uh, so it's the free preview week. I actually don't have it. I, I might. It depends how much I, I love my marriage or not. Um, I A couple of years ago, one of my roommates – uh, came down and we were watching the free preview, you know, uh, that week. And uh, he said to us a couple hours later, he goes, I came downstairs and I told myself at the next commercial break, I would go use the bathroom. It had been two hours. <laughs> <laughs> there are no commercial, there are no breaks. commercial breaks. And they try right. to not show you any punts. They apologize when they have to show you a punt. Yeah, they jump around. It was great. It was great. <laughs> My Seahawks made this nice comeback win to win 12-10 against the Dolphins, so it was a great day. BYU Sports Nation back to work on a Monday. After this show is over, Jerem headed down to BYU football practice, and I am headed to JCW's in Provo to host to Coordinator's lunch. Corner. Oh, and that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that would be awesome. Who are the coordinators today? Ed Lamb and Elisa Tuiaki. There you go. Okay, that would be Let's awesome. Let's talk about that BYU defense, shall we? And people can watch that on uh, BYU Football Facebook Live, and then locally they can listen to it on ESPN 960 in Utah. I can promise or you online. that uh, the converted fake field goal will be discussed at some point. How about that? Well, you have a lot to talk about. Yes, we do. Yeah, the converted fake field goal is like the 12th thing. I know, but I'm just saying, <laughs> like, I, there were some things that just shocked me, mm. and I was like, wow, Mitchell Jurgens to Corbin Kafusi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was BYU's first first down, right? Was yes. to Corbin Kafusi. <laughs> on a fake and, and then field and then court. after that it was like Louis Lapuahu, but oh. it came back. It was like, what's going on? Can like a standard offensive player get a first down? Oh, uh, we're gonna jump into a lot more of that in just a few minutes. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. Utah beats BYU twenty to nineteen in Salt Lake City on Saturday night. The Cougars potential game winning two point conversion. Failed. The Utes have now won six in a row. BYU turns around and hosts UCLA Saturday night live on ESPN2. West Virginia announced its game with BYU on September 24th. will be at 3.30 Eastern on ESPN2 or ESPNU on September 24th. So an earlier game. In the first weekend of NFL action, Ziggy Ansah recorded two tackles for the Detroit Lions and Dennis Pitta had three catches for 39 yards. In his return for the Baltimore Ravens, it was a win after missing the last two seasons due to a hip injury. 
And seventh-ranked women's soccer, big game for them uh, tonight, 7 Eastern time, at Ohio State, who's ranked 19th. You can listen to that on BYU Radio. Now, we will get you caught up to date on what is happening with BYU and specifically with Kai Nakua, who was ejected during the game against Utah and what that means for UCLA. BYU Sports Nation has confirmed the latest on the targeting call just moments into uh, moments ago into the studio. BYU has done everything within their power to have the call reviewed and appealed per NCAA rules and as stated by BYU Sports Nation in an email from the Pac-12 yesterday, the decision by the game review official is final. So you can't appeal if they go back and review it and say, okay, we've looked at it, it's done. This makes absolute sense. You should, uh, you should just let a guy in the heat of a moment for two minutes make a decision that will stand for the next game. That makes no sense, and to me is nonsense. Why can't you appeal that and overturn it if it wasn't good in the game? Get it right regardless of timing, okay? So I, d- I don't agree with this decision, but this is what the Pac-12 had to say about it. Uh, on Sunday, the Pac-12 coordinator coordinator of officiating reviews each play from all games officiated by Pac-12 crews. However, the conference office does not overturn a disqualification that was upheld by the instant replay official. By NCAA rule, the action by the instant replay official is final. There's no appeal process. So BYU's best safety is out against a uh, team led by the future number one pick, potentially Josh Rosen. This is th- I don't agree with this. And the Pac-12 officials have yet another black mark on their name. Just to reiterate, once that replay official gives his determination per NCAA rule, it's done. Like, really? In the heat of the moment, that's it. There's no appeal. Oh, I think it's ridiculous. What? Come on. And and it wasn't targeting. And it wasn't targeting. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the game because that was just one part of what was (laughs) – well, I'll let you pick the adjective because it was a little bit of everything. Rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Expect the unexpected, and we got it. Yeah, you called it. The following things – oh, my goodness. (laughs) The following things happened in Saturday's BYU-Utah game. Nine combined turnovers – BYU plus three in turnover margin. A pick six on the first play of the game. Las Vegas Bowl deja vu. Two ejections that happened on back-to-back plays. A successful fake field goal. Ului Lapuaho catching a pass. Huh? A Tanner Mangum unsportsmanlike penalty. It was it was interesting. And man. a two-point conversion to try and win the game. How about that? Uh wow. It was weird. Sloppy, exhilarating, perplexing, frustrating, exciting, and ultimately for BYU fans, a heartbreaking finish. What a game. That brings up today's Twitter question. What was your biggest takeaway from Saturday's game? Use the hashtag BYUSN at Justin D. Sweeney. Biggest takeaway was that we had six takeaways and still only managed 19 points on offense, which brings me to my biggest takeaway. BYU... The result of the game had nothing to do with the two-point conversion Whoa. and Kai targeting. What? It had everything to do with this. The BYU forced six turnovers and only got 13 points out of it. That is way too low. At halftime, BYU was down one, and I thought, well, it's better than being down by 35 or after the first quarter, right? So the standard changed based on a terrible Vegas Bowl first quarter. The BYU defense was really good. 
really, really good, which brings us to the stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. BYU scored 13 points off six Utah turnovers. That is way too low, as I mentioned. Had BYU just been mediocre in that part of the game, would have won by double figures. Instead, the offense had to make a drive at the end of the game, which is awesome. Two weeks in a row, the BYU offense backs against the wall, defense did their job, but the offense needed a little more, made a drive to have a chance to win the game. Last week, it was a field goal, and this week, uh, if BYU was able to convert that two-point conversion, they would have won. So going forward, we're seeing the learning curve with this offense. It's game two. Robert and I at one point told us it takes like half a season to see what you are offensively, and I agree with that. Um, it's going to take a, a little while for us to see what this BYU offense is about. They're not as explosive as they need to be right now. The longest pass play all season is 19 yards. Like, that's not, that's not a lot. Jamal Williams had 13 touches. I think that he needs more touches. We're seeing the learning curve, but the BYU defense – had a tremendous Holy game, which is the positive. Cow. And the offense will get a lot better. Taysom Hill threw three interceptions in this game. This was not his shot, his his greatest moment as a passer. Yeah, so did Troy Williams. So six of those nine turnovers on interceptions yeah. by the two quarterbacks Cash combined. In more. All right, you bring me to my number one takeaway, and that is the BYU defense is solid. Amen. You can say what you want about Utah's ball security problems in this specific game. But the BYU defense deserves credit for making great plays on the ball. They earned the majority of those turnovers. Yeah. Francis Bernard's interception was number four on SportsCenter's top ten on Saturday night. He forced a fumble as well. Kai Nakua, Jerem called it on Thursday, said 100% he's going to have an interception. He had two. They are hungry so I was wrong. Yeah, to rip the ball <laughs> away. Feisty, a little bit of nasty. And they play at full speed because Butch things Pau. have been simplified. Butch Powell <laughs> was awesome again. <laughs> he was my wife factor, and he won the wife factor. he won. Factor. Congrats, man. That dude had, for the second straight game, nine tackles. BYU's defense surrendered 13 points to Utah's offense. 13 at their home stadium. That's great. That they're, pick six didn't help. They're not responsible for the first offensive play of the game that BYU gives up a pick six. That has nothing to do with the BYU defense. So they gave up 13 points. Now, as much as BYU's offense struggled, they were in position to win the game late. Why? Because the defense put them in a position to do so. So this gives me hope. It gives me hope because BYU's offense will get better. It will get better. It'll take shape under Ty Detmer, and until it does, the BYU defense will give this team a shot to win every game they play in. I think they're that good. They're yeah. that solid defensively. They're really good, and they'll be tested again with UCLA. UCLA's offense is way better than Utah's offense, so that will be a challenge uh, this Saturday and without Kainakua and Austin McChesney for the first half. Emotionally, this is an interesting situation because do, do you walk out of there and you go, BYU wasn't supposed to win that game anyway. They go for it. Guts by Kalani Satake. Almost there. All right. Good job. Good effort. Or do you say, shoot, you need to cash in on those turnovers. You, you wipe away your expectation uh, going into the game, and then you just look at what happened in the game, right? I walk away encouraged that BYU's offense will be better because that's not <laughs> that was not a great performance by that offense. Uh, less than 400 yards of total all. Uh, 19 points. If BYU scores 21, they win that game. They, they were in credit to BYU for getting in position to win that game late, despite not playing a good game. 
you can only control what you do from here on, right? So against UCLA, BYU's offense needs to cash in more. In the red zone, BYU six for six, right? That's that's good news. You need you want more touchdowns. Um, Jake Oldroyd, shining. BYU's moment. got a kicker. He's three for three now, so he's not a one hit wonder, albeit in the clutch. There's some positives to walk away from this uh, with. Yet, uh, I think that okay. My, after two games, I look at this team and I go, okay, this could be an eight plus win team. Whereas before, I called for seven. I, I see talent on this team. The defense is good enough. I would rather Man. have a great defense than a great offense. Here's why. Sometimes you're just off on offense. Sometimes you're off. But a defense can keep you in games. And that's, and that's what's happened. BYU's week. defense kept them in the game in probably the most hostile environment they will play in all year. I know Michigan State will be a tough venue to play in. It's not going to be Utah. The emotions aren't going to be there. That's going to be the toughest road venue that BYU plays in all year. Other takeaways. We mentioned Jamal Williams only had 13 touches. Lower leg contusion was the report from the sidelines during the Fox broadcast. So how much did that play in? I don't know, but he was still averaging almost four, or almost five yards per touch, 4.7 per touch. More Jamal. Um, he was used as a decoy quite a bit by Ty Detmer. Um, I, I'm not... I, I don't think it really worked um, in that regard, but you, you live and you learn and you move on from there, and hopefully he's healthy and, uh, in the UCLA game, which I believe he grew up a UCLA fan. His mom ran track at UCLA, so there's an interesting angle for this game for one Jamal Williams, who, remember, did not play in last year's game or any game for the Cougars. Blood before water when it comes to the Williams Blood family and BYU-UCLA. <laughs> That's how it is. Keep in mind, the BYU defense did what they did on Saturday night playing without Travis Tuiloma and without Troy Warner, who was the starting cornerback that did not play against the Utes. Well, remember, Utah had guys out, too. It's not They had Dominic Hatfield and Corey Butler Bird out, so it wasn't just BYU. Oh, I'm, I'm yeah. not talking about Utah. Yeah. I'm talking about BYU's defense, yeah. just specifically. This isn't a comparison between the oh, two. Oh, yeah, just making sure fans – it's not like BYU was the only no, one of players out. No, yeah. Utah's got a great defense, too. Okay? <laughs> Did you watch the game? Then you should agree with me there. No, that's a legit defense uh, for sure. I, I, I don't know how good Utah is on offense. We'll see. Like, Arizona had to score 28 unanswered to beat Grambling State, by the way. Thank goodness they did not lose What? Thank you, Arizona, for not losing to Grambling. We need, it's not like BYU needs that win for RPI to get oh, into an at-large berth to March still, Madness or something. Still. You know, whatever. Conversation happening right now on Twitter. <laughs> Use the hashtag BYUSN and join BYU Sports Nation. What's your biggest takeaway from Saturday's game? Let's go to the Twitter machine. you got tweets. At Kip Kent, if even one half of the dropped balls had been caught instead, we wouldn't be talking about a missed two-point conversion. So let's bring up two specifically. One, the pick six on the first play of the game. Yeah. Taysom Hill threw that ball upfield. Taysom will be the first to tell you, didn't throw that ball well. You know, and and Aleva Hifo is kind of a new receiver. He turned around a bit. Why why does that bounce perfectly into Utah, the Utah cornerback's <laughs> hands? Why did none of the uh, Turnovers for BYU result in a touchdown. How, what what is up with that? Like, is that just bad luck or what? I, I'm not ready to credit Utah with a ton of skill in that regard. And That's then, just a lucky bounce. Here's man. here's the unfortunate part: the best throw that Taysom Hill made all night, which would have been the longest pass play of the season by a mile, was dropped. Was dropped. 
And uh, it, it, what do you do? Hunter Marshall is going to – he's going to get 50 yards on that play and get BYU out of there. And, unfortunately, that's a drop. You live and you learn, and you do better against UCLA. It stinks. At Brute DR, we have got to make opposing teams pay for turnovers. 13 points off of six turnovers was a huge missed opportunity. BYU missed some opportunities there because of penalties, one specifically on a Kai Nakua interception yeah. return. I'm fine with the aggression on penalties. Some of the best teams in the country are the most penalized. It's fine. And coming up a little bit later, we will – Break down our thoughts on the two-point conversion. Was it the right call? call? Yeah. Was it the right call to go for two in that moment? Up next on BYU Sports Nation, ESPN College Football Insider Trevor Maddich may have a thing or two to say about the Kai Nakua ejection, and is he more encouraged or discouraged after this game? BYU Sports Nation presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Simulcasting on BYU Radio and BYU TV. The conversation about BYU-Utah rolling right now on Twitter. Follow at BYU Sports Nation. Use the hashtag BYUSN. There'll be a full breakdown this entire week. You can catch it out on After Further Review as well as the guys break down what happened against BYU and Utah. I'm sure that two-point conversion will be broken down and the blocking scheme and everything within that. As well as uh, prep for BYU and another big game, UCLA, the home opener on Saturday night. Check it out tomorrow night, 7 Eastern on After Further Review. Our Twitter question today, what was your biggest takeaway from Saturday's BYU-Utah game? Let's get the opinion of our good friend Trevor Maddich on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline, ESPN College football expert, insider, and national champion at BYU. Trevor, it's nice to have you back. And it was supposed to be a boring week two of college football. It was anything but that. It was not just exciting, it was highly controversial in a lot of ways. You had the Central Michigan extra play against Oklahoma State. You had teams like Clemson that were supposed to roll, struggle with the, with the lesser teams that they played. It was an exciting weekend. Trevor, our Twitter question today is this. What was your biggest takeaway from Saturday's BYU-Utah game? Well, biggest takeaway was what, what a physical, passionate team BYU is. And right down to the coaching staff. I mean, we're used to the sideline being stoic and stone-faced, looking like you couldn't tell if the head coach was at a devotional or at a football game. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. That's the way Lavelle was. That's just a matter of style. But Kalani Sataki, boy, he wears it on his sleeve, and I think people will appreciate that. Trevor Maddich with us of ESPN talking about BYU and Utah. Did the Cougars do anything that surprised you? Well, it, it, it surprised me, actually, that the defense would shut down Utah in their own house the way they did. I mean, they gave up one offensive touchdown, and the defense played well enough to win that game. I mean, matter of fact, several times over with all the turnovers they got. I, I can't tell you how impressed I was with the way those guys flew around and just smashed Utah in the mouth. Utah, their offense won't face probably a more physical game all season long. BYU forced six turnovers, yet only got 13 points off of those turnovers. How much higher should that have number been to you, and uh, what, what, do you, what did you think of that part of that game? Well, a lot, but you've got to look at it from a standpoint of what stage the BYU offense is in right now. They're, they went from a go-fast, go-hard offense where they try to run 90 plays a game, and the quarterback will read one guy on the defense, and whatever he does, they do the other thing. If he goes left, you go right. If he goes right, you go left. Go as fast as you can go and get, get a bunch of plays in. The transition is, in a pro-style offense, you slow it down and you have the quarterback decode the defense 
and you have more ways to attack than just that one place. The uh, I talked to, to Stanford coach David Shaw about that difference, and he said that when you've got that up-tempo offense to run pass option, et cetera, there are things that are good about it, but what's bad about it is that of those 80, 90 plays, 10 of them or so will be bad plays, just bad plays, because you're going so fast that the defense will be in a, a set that'll get you. Whereas when you slow it down and do a pro style, every single play is maximized. And once the quarterback is fully uh, invested in the playbook and able to, to apply the playbook, then there are no bad plays. Every play is a good play. And that gives you a lot of opportunities on offense that you don't have with the other style. And it keeps your defense off the field longer. It keeps them rested. And so the, the rub is it takes a while for the quarterback especially to learn the nuances he needs to know, not only of his own offense but of defenses as well, to be able to make it all work at optimum level. ESPN's Trevor Maddich with us. What are your thoughts on BYU's decision to go for two and the win late in the fourth quarter? I get it. I get it. Because BYU's offense was on a roll. Utah's defense was on their heels. Kalani Sataki could look into his players' eyes and see that they had the eye of the tiger. It was working. They believed. Uh, it, it was going great. And he actually told them uh, that if they scored, or when they scored, they were going to go for two. By the way, the Oakland Raiders coach, Jack Del Rio, did the same thing. He told his, his guys that when they scored that touchdown that would potentially tie with a PAT, they were going for two, right? And so Kalani Sataki did the same thing. And so there, I, have, I have some questions about, about the play that was called and what plan B might have been. I'd like to hear some answers to that. But the fact that they actually went for two, I think, tells you that, that Sataki is a coach that the players can believe in and have confidence in because he believes in the players. And there's so much to be said for the players knowing that their coach has confidence in them because they'd rather prove you're right than prove you're wrong. Trevor, it'd be an understatement to say Kainakua's uh, targeting call was controversial. What did you think of the play? It was a horrendous call. It was a, a horrible, terrible, incorrect, very bad call. And just because it was up to held in the booth doesn't mean it was right. Remember that Oklahoma State, Central Michigan, extra down that was wrong. All eight officials on the field and two in the booth got the rule wrong, not an interpretation of a judgment call. The actual letter of the rule, they got wrong. So in this case, targeting requires that there be forcible contact with the head or neck area of the, um, of the defenseless player. And so, or in other ways, not defenseless player. But in this case, it was a defenseless receiver. The reason I think it was not targeting was that, first of all, none of the triggers of targeting were there. Officials will look at whether or not a defensive player launched into the, into the offensive player, whether or not the defensive player ducked his head to target with the crown of his helmet, whether he wound up to throw an elbow into the head or neck area of the offensive player, there, whether or not he, he did not bring his feet and run through the tackle. These are all things that are triggers that will be indicators that it was targeting. None of those indicators were there. Kainakua slowed down when he got there. He turned his back eventually to the offensive player. He did not make forcible contact to the head or neck area, although contact was made. But that contact, in my opinion, was not forcible, number one. And number two, that was made because the offensive player, the receiver, 
ducked his head into the tackle. So I do not think that it rose to the level of, of targeting, and I thought it was a just a horrifically bad call. Where do we go from here in those circumstances? Well, you know, there, there's some question as to how any appeal process might work out. I think what's going to happen is they'll just let it stand, and uh, one way or another we won't have Kainakua or Austin McChesney in the first half of the UCLA game, and that'll be tough. Are you more discouraged or encouraged about this BYU team right now following a hard-fought one-point loss to Utah? I, I'm so much more encouraged. I mean, think about where they are right now. You've got a Utah team that is, is fully mature in terms of the recruiting process from freshman to senior class being recruited to this offensive and defensive system with a coaching staff that the players know and they know the coaches. BYU is just the opposite. You've got a new defensive scheme, new offensive scheme, actually new offensive, completely different style. You've got new coaching staff that's trying to get to know the players and each other, and the players know the coaches and what's expected, all those different things, and it was played at Utah. Utah had every advantage in this game, and yet, if BYU had had the first offensive play or the last offensive play go their way, then they win this game. The first offensive play was the – the interception pick six where Taysom Hill's pass was tipped off of his receiver's hands into the hands of a Utah defensive back. He runs back for a touchdown. That Plays like that happen, but it's kind of a fluky thing, right? And so to be that close to this team in Salt Lake is incredibly encouraging to me because the, the, the defense will get better, but the offense will get dramatically better as time goes on and as they get acclimated to this pro style. Where do you see uh, Taysom Hill improving as a passer? Because like you said, Utah's defense is really good. Um, Yet he really struggled in the pass game, three interceptions, but had two rushing touchdowns. We saw the runner, Taysom Hill, come back. What did you think of his play, and how does he get better moving forward? Well, he gets better moving forward by making sure that he maximizes every easy pass. There are a lot of passes, a lot of completions built into this system that are easy but short. A check down to the running back, a, you know, a, a tight end that's got a simple route. There's always something simple. And if he can hit those simple ones on his check downs and just move the ball four yards down the field at a time, stay even with the chain, it gives offensive coordinator Ty Detmer a lot of options. The problem comes when he tries to do too much too soon and they end up behind the chains because of incompletions. So the way he can get better is just to understand that the mentality of the dynamic playmaker that Taysom has carried with him from high school up until this season needs to change to the mentality of a game manager who needs to make plays at times, especially with his feet, when things break down. But not every play, not all the time, not him being the star. The receivers and the running backs need to be the star in Taysom Hill's mind. Now, I'm not saying Taysom Hill wants to be the star. I'm just saying there's a habit of him wanting to maximize every play down the field. And he doesn't need to do that in this offense. I'm nervous about that idea that you just brought up, game manager and Taysom Hill, because that doesn't seem like maximizing his skills to the greatest. But you think maybe that's maximizing the offensive skills to the highest value? No, it does. Because managing the game doesn't mean don't make plays. Managing the game means understand where the easy plays are and, and take them. And then understand when to take your shots and where to, to minimize the potential for mistakes. In this offense, there's plenty of opportunity for Taysom to make plays running around, 
There's plenty of opportunity to move the pocket, and there's plenty of opportunity for him to, to you know, make plays with his arm. And so it's just, it's just a different mentality, though. You know, I look at Robert Griffin III and his struggles in the NFL. You know, he's with the Cleveland Browns now, but when he left Baylor to go to the Redskins, he had that mentality that every play had to be a huge, maximized, awesome play. Well, in this pro, and, and, he, and he, it, it made it harder for him to succeed. In this offense, with BYU now, this pro-style offense, it is every bit as good as any other offense, and it has its own advantages over other offensive styles. But the, the mentality of the quarterback needs to change, and it's just, it's just a matter of throw the check down. We saw that at LSU. Brandon Harris uh, could make great plays at times with his arm, but other times he won't see the check down or he'll miss the check down, one of the two, or he'll refuse to throw it there because it's not exciting. And he just got sat down, and a transfer from Purdue had a big game last week for LSU because he took the easy plays. That's one thing fans want to watch for with BYU. Where can Taysom always improve? Take the easy plays first. How would you assess Ty Detmer's play calling through two games as a Division One offensive coordinator? I think it's been good. It's been fine. He's given them the opportunities they've needed. You know, there have been some drop passes. There have been some missed blocks. There have been some physical mistakes. But I think, I think Ty has done well. He's got a reputation. And again, at ESPN, uh, walking around talking to quarterbacks, former NFL quarterbacks, coaches, head coaches, et cetera, I asked them about Ty Detmer's reputation in the league, and they would always just stop and, and give gushing praise to Ty as a coach, as a player. In other words, he's a player and a coach. When in the meeting room, quarterback meeting room, you'll always have players come up to the whiteboard and answer questions and draw things on the board with the coaches there. But Ty Detmer will go up there and say, Coach, we really need to be doing it this way. And the coaches will be taking notes of what Ty did. And so I think he, he's done well the first two weeks. I think his game planning and play calling will get more targeted as he learns the capabilities and weaknesses of the guys on the roster within the context of a game, not just practice. But overall, I think it's a good start. Trevor, how does BYU match up against UCLA, in your opinion? Well, uh, it's, it's tough because UCLA has a lot in common with Utah. They've got big, powerful guys on both lines of scrimmage, and they've got a much, much, much more capable offense than Utah does. So BYU, this is the game for the BYU offense to, to kind of break out and to, to make those plays that are there and not leave anything on the table because they'll need more points. Part of week three in college football. Trevor, where will you be this weekend? Uh, college game day on ESPN Radio. We will be in Norman, Oklahoma for Ohio State at Oklahoma. Mm. So many storylines with this one. I cannot <laughs> wait for this Saturday. Be awesome. <laughs> All right, man. We'll be listening and watching. Uh, we wish you safe travels, and we appreciate the time. All right. Thanks, guys. Trevor Maddich on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. As always, bringing it on a Monday. I had to follow up with him, uh, Trevor, because of that game manager. When I think of game manager, I think of like Mark Sanchez. I'm like, what? No, Taysom Hill is way more dynamic. But I, I can see where uh, Trevor's coming from, which is use the offense to its max with the playmakers within that. However, who's the biggest playmaker in the BYU offense? Taysom, it's Taysom Hill. Hill. And then second, it's Jamal Williams. So the majority of the touches should come from those guys, right? He scored two touchdowns, right? Taysom Hill with his legs. And, and and there's a reason he he threw three picks. So in that moment, he tr he probably trusts his feet more than his arm, 
in that moment, going down the field, he had passed effectively to the point where the run was open. So now, now we see BYU's offense kind of opening up a little bit, and they've been more successful when they've been back to what they're comfortable with. But we're seeing the learning curve right now, Spencer. It's going to take a few games for BYU to get comfortable, to become explosive, to get where they want to be, because scoring in the teens is not going to cut it against UCLA, Michigan State, West Virginia, at Boise State. You know what I mean? Like, BYU's got to keep evolving. What was your biggest takeaway from Saturday's game? At Mort 7 says, Holmo chose the right coach. What an awesome display mm. of passion for the players and the game of football. Francis Bernard's interception happened after Kalani Sitake the play. got after. that penalty. Woo! How about that? Coming up, we review going for two. And how are your emotions following BYU-Utah's one-point loss on Saturday night? Stay with us on BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation in Radio Vision. Welcome back, sports friends. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan hanging out in Studio B live on BYU Radio, simulcast on BYU TV. Cougars and Utes continue. They play uh, Thursday night in women's volleyball. This time the 10th-ranked BYU Cougars host Utah 9 p.m. Eastern time on BYU TV. If you haven't watched this women's volleyball team, man, they are 9-0, ranked in the top 10, and crushing it. I had questions going into the season about replacing Alexa Gray. McKenna Miller's been awesome. MC Hammer. MC Hammer's been sweet. So check it out Thursday night against you. <laughs> we did ask her if she had some of those MC Hammer pants, and she's like, yeah, I have some sweatpants well, that are kind of like that. Yeah, and we're like, wait, you're like 17 or 18. You don't get it. <laughs> you, Who's MC Hammer? You weren't born. Yeah, we're children of the 90s, so you don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Let's refresh today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. Utah. Survives BYU's upset attempt 20 to 19 in Salt Lake City Saturday night. That's that's the BYU angle. The headline. Cougars' potential game-winning two-point conversion falls short. The Utes have now won six in a row. BYU will host UCLA Saturday night on ESPN two. Was it not an up? Was it not an upset bid? Was it not an upset? Technically, bid? Yes, yes, by the technically line. Technically speaking, and you're Mr. Technicality. Technically speaking, I know it's just funny. The BYU they survived. They did survive. Not one. They survived. No, listen. If you man. If I could take all of you to the moment when Taysom Hill scored that touchdown, the anxiety, the tension in that stadium, as some people on the BYU sideline put it, oh boy, the native fans are restless. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh! BYU Sports Nation has confirmed that the decisions made by the replay official Saturday on the targeting calls are final. BYU has looked into all avenues of a possible review, but per NCAA rules, if a call is upheld by a reef, Review official at the game. The ruling cannot be appealed. Both Kainakua and Austin McChesney will be suspended for the first half of the UCLA game. West Virginia announces its kickoff time for the game with BYU. 3.30 Eastern on ESPN2 or ESPNU. That game slated for Saturday, September 24th. It will take place at FedEx Field in Washington, D.C. First ever meeting between BYU and West Virginia and the second NFL stadium the Cougars will play in this season. And the third could be uh, Qualcomm in, in San Diego. Poinsettia Bowl. Is it still called that? Qualcomm? Yes, Qualcomm it's, Stadium. It's changed a few times. Yep. You know. Hey, and uh, seventh-ranked women's soccer, huge game tonight at 19th-ranked Ohio State at 7 Eastern time on BYU Radio. Twitter question today, what was your biggest takeaway from Saturday's game? At not dry, just flaky, says coaching staff what? does honest evaluations and has great risk management skills. Though it won't always go our way, we're in good hands. 
we're in good hands. Okay, let's talk about the de- the decision to go for two. Let's let's look at the context of that moment. Okay. okay well, let me read you this tweet first okay. of all. At Nick Newman eight hundred one says, "Always kick the PAT. Always give yourself a chance for the win in overtime." Let's talk about the context. Okay, what went into that decision? On the road, hostile environment. First uh, game in the rivalry for Kalani Satake. Uh, veteran kicker for Utah. The defense had just been on the field for an 11-minute drive. 19 plays, 11 minutes. Jamal Williams was out. Kainakua. You've lost five out. in a row. Okay, That's the context. The percentage points of chances to win of going for two versus PAT, there's a difference of like 5%. Yeah, okay? it's 50, so I it's think it's almost, 51% if you well, go to overtime. Well, that's in the NFL, 44 in uh, – yeah, 44 if you kick the PAT – 51 if you kick the PAT, 44. The numbers are close yes. in college, according to yes. Cougar stats. Yeah. Okay? With that in mind, I totally get the decision to go for two. Now, because BYU did not get it, you question the means. I'm with you. I question the means. I, the Raiders went for two at New Orleans yesterday. They threw a fade to Michael Crabtree, which is a low percentage pass. He caught it. So Jack Del Rio is a hero, Yes. right? That's how it works. Yes, Jack of the River. Jack of the River. <laughs> yes. So I totally get the decision to go for two. How do you feel about it? I think it was the right call given all of the circumstances. And I learned in the post game from Mitchell Jurgens that the coaching staff was saying, when we score, we're going for two. So yes. the and players that was the were, case with the Raiders, The too. players were already prepared in that moment mentally. Like when Taysom Hill scored the touchdown, I saw him immediately turn to the sideline and say, okay, what, what, are, we, what are we doing now? And they what had a timeout. Now? They called that timeout and talked about it. Yet, Colby Pearson still had to run out there. So then it looked like, well, he's not involved. <laughs> we were told there was a pass run option off that. Um, you know, from the coaches, Taysom Hill said, it was a run, so a little confusion there. But here, here's the thing about that play. Everyone's talking about, okay, there were three three guys and only two blockers. Do you realize that Taysom Hill got through the first two? Yes. The other three weren't blocked. They came over, and they're the ones that got Taysom Hill. So if the right side of the line blocks their guys, he walks in because he escaped two guys single-handedly, he and being Brian Taysom Hill. Keel. Brian Keel pointed out on Twitter after the game, if the blocks happen downfield, then Taysom Hill scores that two-point conversion. Yeah. yeah. Was it doomed from the start? Kind of, yes. But if they get it, it's a great call, right? It's not a bad call just because BYU doesn't get it. Right? Kalani Satake said that Ty Detmer wanted the ball in the hands of Taysom Hill. Who can blame him? I, I would have loved something a little more spread out with a little more... In space? Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, sure. You live and learn. It happens. It's Boise State Part 2, right? You go for two. You don't get it. It's a bummer. You move on. But the guts that BYU had offensively, because they were not good in this game, and then they come down on that last drive, and they score a touchdown, and, and then they have the guts to go for two. Like, I really like the guts of this BYU coaching staff. I love the two-minute offense that BYU has rolling against Arizona and Utah as well. You wonder how much Ty Detmer thinks, okay, do we go to that? Because he has to decide today, do we stick to our guns or do we go with what the, the team is most comfortable with? I know I'm that he won't a, be swayed. He won't be swayed easily. Like he, right. He's if, very, like, he's, he's going to be disciplined. It takes a while to put things in place. Up next, Cougar Whip Around featuring... A cougar in the NFL after almost two full years off, but first we are going for two. 
BYU Sports Nation presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Spencer Linton, Jerem Jordan, live from Studio B. If you miss an episode of BYUSN Live, you can watch the rebroadcast weeknights on BYU TV starting at 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the dot. Hey, big game tonight for the women's soccer team. You can listen to it on BYU Radio, 7th ranked BYU at The Ohio State, ranked number 19 in the country. That's tonight at 7 Eastern. Our Twitter question today, what was your biggest takeaway, BYU Sports Nation, from Saturday's BYU-Utah game? At Adam R. Frank says, the offense has to find a way to reward the defense. Yes. You can't be plus two against Arizona and still need a drive to win the game, in my opinion. You can't be plus three and still need a drive to win the game. So, yeah, I, I agree on that point. Cash in more. Again, we're watching the learning curve. And the pain of a loss against Utah is the cost of business. It stinks. Had BYU had one two-point conversion, be like, wow, they're 2-0 and and haven't really stretched their legs on offense, if you will. All season long, Jerem and I will give two predictions every Friday about the approaching BYU football games. We like to call it going for two, and we are keeping score. That's what's different about this time around is there is an official tally and scoreboard. We, act- we actually have to be accountable for Yes, how about that? On this show, which is a novel concept. <laughs> I, don't, I don't follow up on things like a lead or not. You know, we just like move on, right? You were 0 for 2 last <laughs> week. How'd you fare this week? I went 1 for 1, so I was right Wait, on saying... Wait, you went 1 for 1? I, I was 1 for 1 on my first one. Oh, okay. The BYU defense will have at least one takeaway. Ha ha ha, that's 6! That's 6! And then my second one, I had in our pre-production meeting, kind of cool, we'll have an interception. And then I got scurred, dude. So I said Jamal Williams scored two TDs. Jamal Williams hasn't scored a touchdown this year. What in the world? So I went one for two. On the season, I'm one for three. You're one for three or one and three? I went... I am one and three. Thank you. Yeah. I have one right in two weeks. I'm one, I'm one for four. You're one for four is correct. Yeah. You're so why, one win, three losses. That's the record. Yeah. My record? Your record is one and three. How about we just say correct picks? One. <laughs> no way. I don't have they to do. They want to show how many wrong picks you have. I don't have to do like have. fractions. <laughs> I haven't taken a math class since my junior year of high school. It's all starting to make sense. 15 years. Okay, <laughs> my two predictions on Friday were, one, Taysom Hill will pass for 300-plus yards. Mm. No. He was over half that. Not close. Not 21 close. for 39. Now, if Hunter Marshall catches that ball, he's then probably he up 200. around 230. Seriously. He wasn't going to get 70 on that. We well, threw that for drive? 176. So if he gets 100. 50 yards, that'd be 226. So he's going to be at 270? That's what you just no, said. No, I said, like, maybe... It opens some things up. Who knows? Yeah, that drive would have continued. Okay, yeah, it, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It wasn't 300-plus. It wasn't close. Utah's defensive secondary is really good. They're really good. And Taysom Hill didn't get helped out with some dropped passes. So I'm 0 for 1 there. However, I said this. Utah will not win the turnover battle, which they have consistently yeah, done. Yeah, We and both they did were one along those lines. Plus 3. Speaking of BYU, BYU won the turnover battle by 3 yet lose the game by one. So after two weeks, I have two correct decisions, and I have been wrong on two of my picks. Way to say it that way so you don't mess it up like me. Most importantly, <laughs> I am beating Jerem. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'm two and two. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, 
Listen, I got scared with the kind of cook thing because on Thursday we played What's the Chance and I said 100% the kind yeah, why, of cook. Well, you said 100%. Why did you get scared after you said 100%? You had already thought, gone on record. I know. Well, we don't keep track of What's the Chance. We keep track of going for two. Well, conveniently, we're bringing it up that you were right, right? So, well, I was wrong. It was 200% chance because he had two. Two interceptions. Yeah. What, what a game. And now he's out for the first half for targeting. How, how much that will that change? That stinketh! Guess what Kainakua did to Josh Rosen last year, like he did to Troy Williams on Saturday. In, in the red the zone. End zone. Yes. In the end zone. In the end zone. zone. Sorry. Yeah, I'm struggling. I watched the red zone yesterday. That's what's throwing you off, Isn't it the blue zone, Spencer? <laughs> no. I, don't, I thought we didn't call it the red zone, it man. It is not. Can we attack the red zone? Let's attack the red zone, right? Yes. Spin it that way if it bothers you that it's called the red zone. BYU Blue Rob, is attacking listen, the red is, zone. Robert and I called it the blue zone. Therefore, it's the red zone. <laughs> Thing one, thing two. You're a turkey, Taryn. What was your biggest takeaway? I select Robert Nice and OC. I want to make that clear. Oh my goodness! You're a turkey, Taryn. Yes. What was your biggest takeaway from Saturday's game? Let's go to the Twitter machine. It's Twitter time. At Nickley51, the curse of Max Hall and Utah's lucky all-red <laughs> jerseys are both real. I don't know what else to say. This has been a hard show for me, honestly. Losing to Utah does not compute with me, and that's really hard. Six in a row, man. Listen, Kalani's first iteration of this, he goes up there, goes for two, gets fired up. I, I loved I, it. I, I think that's a shot fired across the bow at Utah of, look out, look out. First year, you win by one. I look out in the future. I think I, I think that Kalani Stocky will have BYU way way ready to go in these Utah games. I went to dinner future. at an Italian restaurant on uh, Friday night. By mm. the way, five of the BYU women's softball team members work there. All five. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I was like, hey, 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 hey. So hey. like the infield or something. Basically. Okay. Yes. Anyway, I had a conversation with a Utah fan at that table where he's like, well, let's Why'd be honest. That? Let's be honest. Like BYU just doesn't have the talent depth. Uh, I mean, it, it, the Pac-12, Pac-12 bro. difference. Pac-12, I got a sticker on my car, bro. Really? I didn't hear from him after the game. Six in a row, man. I didn't hear from him. Yeah. Cougars in the NFL as part of the Cougar Whip Round next. Six in a row, six turnovers. BYU Sports Nation presented in part by DexterLaw.com. Help when you need it most. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Football. Utah beats BYU 2019 Salt Lake Saturday night. The Cougars' two-point conversion failed as the Utes have now won six in a row. BYU hosts UCLA Saturday night on ESPN2. <laughs> okay. West Virginia announces its game time with BYU 3.30 Eastern kickoff on ESPN2 or ESPNU on September 24th. You lulled me into a sleep with the first part of your first read, Jerry. If I had a nickel, man. ESPN's Mark Schleybon, Brett McMurphy project BYU will play in the Poinsettia Bowl against San Diego State. BYU Sports Nation has confirmed that the decisions made by the replay official Saturday on the targeting calls are final. BYU has looked into all avenues of a possible review, but per NCAA rules, if a call is upheld by a review official at the game, the ruling cannot be appealed. That's an NCAA rule. So basically it's like trying to return something at the dollar store. Nope. No, it's done. <laughs> Both Kainakua and Austin McChesney will be suspended for the first half of the UCLA game. At least BYU gets them for the second half. Cougars in the NFL. The first weekend of NFL action, Ziggy Ansah recorded two tackles for the Detroit Lions and a flag hold. And Dennis Pitta has three catches for 39 yards in his return to the Ravens after missing the last two seasons due to injury. 
Soccer. Seventh-ranked BYU women's soccer in action tonight. A top 20 showdown at number 19, Ohio State, 7 Eastern. Listen on BYU Radio. Volleyball. The Ohio State. Yes, that's correct. 10th-ranked women's volleyball swept the weekend at the Idaho State Invitational, beating Boise State, Missouri, and Idaho State. Amy Boswell was tournament MVP. BYU plays Utah Thursday on BYU TV. Golf. The women's team competing in the Mercedes-Benz Collegiate in Tennessee at the Cherokee Country Club against the likes of Ole Miss. SMU and North Carolina. <laughs> Tennis. Keaton Cullimore won the singles draw while Jeremy Bourchois and Derek Vincent won the doubles title at the Utah Fall Tennis Classic. They will continue preseason in October. Cougars in the PGA. Daniel Summer has shot 12 over in the BMW Championship, finishing 68th overall. Jerem. It sounded like swoop. <laughs> Today's Rise and Shout, brought to you by Dexter and Dexter Help. When you need it at most, DexterLaw.com. Bob Bowlesby, some kind of announcement relative to that could really drown out the sorrow of a Utah loss, JS. <laughs> I love that just saying has been now reduced to JS in our society. LOL, totes cray. <laughs> I want to read our or today's Twitter question uh, like I do with the voice of the Utah guy that was trying to tell me that BYU didn't have the talent to compete. Okay. Uh, so what was your biggest takeaway from Saturday's game? Let's go to the Twitter machine, man. Tweet, tweet. Was it Steve Bale? <laughs> no. I'm just kidding. At Texas Colonel, Kalani's passion for the players in game did more for recruiting than a win, especially Polynesian players. Oh, race excluded. Kalani Satake had won the minds of Cougar fans. He then secured the hearts in that moment, oh. in my opinion. At Jing Doc, Kainakua is the real deal. He's the real deal. So good. Two interceptions. Yeah. Our elite tweet of the day at BF Webster. Woke up at 4.30 a.m. thinking if only Taysom had gone right, not <laughs> left. Sigh. You don't think Taysom Hill... Went to bed thinking that, too. Oh, the hey, what-ifs th- are brutal. Thanks to Trevor Maddich and everyone on our crew. Yeah, I don't know if they can compete, Jerem. <laughs> Show on demand. <laughs> Shout out to Mark Madland. We're back to work tomorrow at noon Eastern. Later! Later!